0: Well, good morning, Living Water. How are you guys doing this morning? Good, good. We're very glad that you're here joining us for worship today. Uh, the, today we have a special privilege to be able to have one of our elders uh, of the church speak to us who uh, serves faithfully with his wife downstairs uh, in the student ministries, and that's Brother Steve. So I want to ask Brother Steve if he'll come up now and share God's word. With, would you guys give him a hand as he comes? Thank you, brother. Right on time. <laughs> morning church so anybody that knows me knows before I give God's word I get a little nervous so I always have to run to the bathroom I said, <laughs> I said do I have time to run to the bathroom real quick <laughs> all right so that's something you guys know about me that was a little personal all right so um, good morning I'll be teaching on pride and humility which will be coming from 1 Samuel 25, where we'll be reviewing the story of Abigail, Nabal, and David. Um, Quick disclaimer, uh, before we get into the text, I believe that Living Waters does an awesome job of giving a balanced message. So in the spirit of that, I want to just make sure I give a balanced message today as well. So with that being said, uh, I'll be just defining pride and humility and also introducing a small way of us keeping everyone engaged this morning since we had the youth here as well. So we'll jump straight into it. So I went to and I said, what does it say about pride? And this is what it says. It says, there is a difference between a kind of pride that God hates and the kind of pride that we can feel good about a job well done. Or a kind of pride we express over the accomplishment of loved ones, the kind of pride that stems from self-righteousness or conceit is sin. God hates it because it is a hindrance to him, and it's a hindrance between seeking him. All right? So there's nothing wrong with taking pride in getting good grades, uh, taking pride in your parents, or, or taking pride in your ability or talents that God has given us right? or given you. All right? The form of pride that gets us into the trouble with God is a pride that makes us reject him or make him secondary in our lives. All right? A pride where we refuse to acknowledge what he has done in our lives, and a pride that refuses to submit to him, all right? A pride that makes us treat people like they're beneath us and a pride that makes us puff our chest out and feel like it's all about us, all right? Sort of like my man Gaston right here. Gaston. As a specimen, yes, I'm intimidating. I want a guy Gaston, if I were- Gaston is the best, and the rest is all direct No one! Fights no like Gaston, now there's like no. Gaston In a wrestling match nobody uh. fights like Gaston For there's no one as burly and brawny <laughs> As you see, I've got biceps to spare not a bit of him scraggly or scrawny. That's right! And every last inch of me's covered with hair. No one gets like Gaston. Nobody spits like Gaston. In a spitting match, nobody spits like Gaston. I'm especially good at extract a 10 points for Gaston. When I was a lad, I ate four dozen eggs every morning to help me get large. And now that I'm grown, I eat five dozen eggs, so I'm roughly the size of a barge. A barge. <laughs> like Gestion, 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 like Gestion. Then goes tromping around wearing boots like Gaston. I use antlers in all of my decorating. All right, so for everybody that uh, remembers this movie, right, I knew it would be great, great to bring all ages together. Uh, this is like his fifth song about itself in this movie, if you remember. <laughs> right, so, and I'm not a Disney guy coming up, but this was one of the first things that came to me was Gaston. I said, man, that's a prideful guy, and he'll bring us all together on this message. All right, so what does God question God or say about humility, right? And I'm big on giving people their credit for what they said, right? I want you to think it's my definition, especially when we get into the Word of God. So it says this, the Bible describes humility as meekness, lowliness, and the absence of self. The Greek word translated humility in Colossians 3.12 and elsewhere literally means lowliness of mind. All right? So we see that humility is a heart attitude, not merely an outward demeanor. One, one may put on an outward show of humility, but still have a heart of pride, full of pride and arrogance. Jesus said those who are poor in spirit would have the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, 3. Being poor in spirit means that only those who admit to absolute bankruptcy of spiritual worth will inherit eternal life. Therefore, humility is a prerequisite for the Christian. All right? So humility doesn't mean we walk around with our head down or that we hate ourselves, right? It simply means you understand who God is and who you are not. You have to realize all that you have and all that you are is because of him. This has a positive effect on how not only you interact with God, but how you interact with people as well. So now that we have that balanced definition of both pride and humility, next part for our engagement will be for our youth. All right? Adults, you can jump in as well. I just wanted to find a way to keep them also engaged today. So I'm going to read off three different scenarios. When we read off the scenarios, a way of keeping us engaged is I'm going to have you stand. Right? If this is a form of pride that you see being used. Or just stay seated if it's not a formal product. Alright? You're gonna get your cardio in today as well with me, okay? Alright, so now you're gonna get a word, I'm gonna be your uh your workout instructor. So with that being said, we'll jump straight in. Alright? So scenario one says this. You get into you get good grade, on, you get a good grade on your test, but the person next to you doesn't. Alright, you begin to celebrate in their face and tell everyone how you passed and how they failed. All right, stand up if this person is being prideful or stay seated if this person is humble. All right, good job. We're going down the right path. (laughs) All right, scenario two. All right, you hit the game-winning shot the night before at the basketball game. The next day, everyone tells you how great you are but you use this time to give God the glory and talk about how great your teammates are. Stand up if this person is being prideful or stay seated if they're being humble. All right, good job, good job. In the last scenario, a person tries to embarrass you in front of everyone. They not only make fun of you, but challenge you to a fight. You simply walk away and avoid the fight. Stand up if this person is being prideful or stay seated if they're showing humility. Now, we'll be doing this, too, during our reading of our word. We'll be getting up three different times, so, or staying seated three different times. So I just want to put that out. All right. So if I can just give you one point for today's message, it would be this. Uh, a prideful attitude ultimately glorifies you, but a humble attitude glorifies God. And if you missed anything I say today, if you remember that, you remembered enough. All right. So, with that being said, if you can please stand for the reading of our word. Again, we'll be coming from 1 Samuel chapter 25. What I'll do is we'll read the first four chapters, first four verses together, should I say. <laughs> and then you can grab a seat as I go through the rest of it. All right. And it says here, then David rose and went down to the wilderness of Paran, And there was a man in Moan whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and a thousand goats. He was sharing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal and the name of his wife Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a Calabite. You can grab a seat. Alright, I'm going to read through the rest of this. What I'm going to do this time, being nice, is you only have to raise your hand once I get through this first part of the story. You don't have to stand. All right. So I'll go starting with verse 4. It says, David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was sharing his sheep. So David sent 10 young men. And David said to the young men, go up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus you shall greet him. Peace be to you and peace be to your house. And peace be to all that you have. I hear that you have shears. Now your shepherds have been with us, and we did them no harm, and they missed nothing all the time they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let your young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son David. When David's young men came, they said all this to Nabal in the name of David, and then they awaited. And Nabal answered David's servants, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shares and give it to the men who come from I don't know where? So David's young men turned away and came back and told all of this. And David said to his men, every man strap on his sword. And every man of them strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword. And about 400 men went after David, while 200 remained with the baggage. So Nabal's response, was it full of pride or was it in humility? Raise your hand if he was prideful. All right, thank you. All right, so who was Nabal? Right, he's extremely wealthy, as we hear from scripture, right? But he's also arrogant, harsh, and he's evil. Right? His name actually means fool. Right. More times than none, a person who is prideful ends up making a fool of themselves and often is viewed as a fool. Proverbs 16:18 says this: Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Galatians 6:3 3, 3 says this: for if anyone thinks he is something When he is nothing, he deceives himself. All right? So here's what makes him foolish. One, he was unaware that David and his men were protecting his wealth by keeping an eye on the shepherds and his flocks of sheep and goat. Two, he would have been aware that it was common practice for men to provide for themselves by defending towns and farms from robbers and thieves, and for wealthy men to accommodate or look out for the men providing this service. Three. not only that at this point David and his men are possibly the baddest group assembled at this time let's look at who David is 1st Samuel 17 verses 34-36 David defeats a bear and a lion while protecting sheep a lot of us will run from the bear and the lion right not David 1st Samuel 17 verses 50-53 David defeats Goliath a giant and 1 Samuel 18 uh Chapter 18, verse 7 says this. All right, well, there was a song about David that obviously didn't sit right with Saul. And it said Saul killed 1,000, but David killed 10,000. All right. So this is who David is. This is who he's turning down. But then we get to talking about his mighty men, right? And it says there's David's mighty men, right? 2 Samuel verse, chapter 23, verses 8 through 39, and 1 Chronicles 11, verses 10 through 47. If you read through there, you'll see why is very foolish. Because David wasn't just a bad man, but he had some bad men following him as well. All right? And four. Or should I say that was point four. So, what we see here is this. Nabal's pride had caused him to lose his mind. All right. It makes me think of a quote by Thomas Tarrant, and it says this. Pride is your greatest enemy, and humility is your greatest friend. All right? At this point, pride is Nabal's enemy. All right? Not only has he made an enemy in David, more importantly, he has made an enemy, uh, made himself an enemy of God because God's not being glorified, but he's glorifying himself at this point. All right? It's funny because we look at the story like other stories in the Bible and we say, man, what were they thinking? But if we're all being honest, right, there's Nabal sitting in the crowd, right? And there could be a Nabal standing up here right now as well, all right? I've played the role of Nabal plenty of times. All right, we allow arrogance, pride, and self to get in the way of our decision-making, all right, which ends up hurting us, but not just us, but it ends up hurting others. Because Nabal is not hurting himself only. Nabal is about to hurt his whole community right? because of his pride. And 100% of the time when we walk in pride, we're definitely going against God. right? He's not in the equation. He's not being glorified. It's all about us at that moment. Now, David and his mighty men are ready to make a statement. This is the same David who has been fleeing from Saul and humbly trying his hardest not to take Saul's life. He actually spares Saul's life in the chapter before this. All right. He has a chance to kill Saul, but he avoids it because not only does he honor Saul, but he loves God. All right. Can you imagine how he's feeling at this point? Now David's pride is starting to rise up, right? David's like, okay, I'm letting Saul slide and I have my men behind me saying, why am I letting him slide? And I'm taking care of your town because what's happening is this, at this point, David is doing this to survive. He's protecting people because he knows, okay, this not only is going to feed me, but it's going to feed and, and serve my, and, and protect and, and take care of these men that's follow me as well. Right. so now David's starting to go through it as well when it comes to pride. All right, so Abigail has been made aware of this unwise decision by one of Nabal's men. All right, he communicates how well David and his men treated them and how they protected them day and night as they tended the sheep. All right. So in verse 17, he asked for her help because uh, he knows he can't approach Nabal. He says this about Nabal. He says, Nabal is such a worthless man that one cannot speak to him. You know you're prideful when you're unapproachable, right? When can't no one come to you and even have a word with you? right? And this is where we're at. So that takes us to verses uh, 18 through 35. And it says this, Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves and two skins of wine and five sheep already prepared and five seafs of parched grain and a hundred clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on, a don- on donkeys. And, he said, and she said to her young men, Go before me, behold, I come after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. wonder why. When Nabal saw David... Or should I say, when Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from the donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, on me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow Nabal. There again goes again, right? The first worthless fellow Nabal. For as his name is, so was he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord, whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving, uh, saving with your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord, be given to the young men who who follow follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your servant, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord. The evil shall not be found in you so long as you live. If men rise up to pursue you and seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in a bundle of the living in the care of the Lord your God. In the lives of your enemies, he shall sling out as from the hollow of a sling. And when the Lord has done my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause of grief or pains or of conscience for having shed blood without cause or my Lord working salvation himself. And when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your servant. And David said to Abigail, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion and blessed be you. And who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from the working salvation with my own hand. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you have hurried to come and meet me, truly by morning there had not been left to Nabal so much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him, and he said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice, and I have granted you petition. So, I know that was long, but it's for a purpose. Abigail, stand up if she's being prideful, or if she's showing humility. Stand up if she's being prideful, stay seated if she's showing humility. Amen, amen. So who's Abigail? Scripture says that she's physically... Uh, uh, her physical appearance is beauty, because she's a beautiful person. Be- she looks good. She's nice looking. <laughs> <All> right? <laughs> right. Scripture says she's also discerning. More important. More important. Right. She's wise. She's a peacemaker. But most of all, she's humble. All right. If pride is Nabal's greatest enemy, humility is Abigail's greatest friend. All right. Uh, God is getting the glory from her response, not her. So, all husbands need an Abigail in their lives. All right? I can stand here and honestly admit that my wife has played the role of Abigail while she was my girlfriend, while she was my fiance, and even now that she's my wife. All right? When we, when we are full of pride, or when I'm full of pride, she checks me and talks sentences to me. She corrects me, not from her opinion, but from the word of God. And if you notice in here, Abigail didn't speak her own words, she spoke words from God. Like, David had such a relationship with God that he knew where where her words were coming from. He instantly humbled himself because he knew where she was speaking wasn't from her. It came from the Lord. Honestly, we need friends, family, uh, just people in our lives who God has called to hold us accountable and remind us of the word of God when we're living outside of his will and also when we're being prideful. God used Abigail to minister to David's heart. God gave Abigail words that allowed him to humble himself as well. David was in a place with God where he understood who was using Abigail. Because of this, he quickly fell in line with God's plan and not his own. God glorified, David glorified God and chose to make humility his greatest friend. All right, so Abigail saves the day, which leads to the end of the story. All right, this is where things get even more interesting for, for a guy, Nabal. So verse 36 to 38 says this, and Abigail came to Nabal And behold, he was holding a feast in his house, like the feast of the king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until the morning light. In the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things. And his heart died within him, and he became as stone. And about ten days later, uh, Nabal, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. So I was looking through some commentaries. And my question is: Did Nabal's pride kill him? A lot of the commentary said he had a heart attack or a stroke. Was he that prideful that he felt he couldn't see that his wife saved him? All he saw was that his wife went behind his back, right? Did he get so upset with the news, right, that he couldn't accept the fact that man, you, you know, you, <laughs> you not only saved me, but you saved our wealth, right? You saved our, 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 our town, right? He couldn't accept that. See, we have to realize that our sovereign God, our God of Proverbs hand was in the midst of this story from the very beginning, right? Verse 39 says this, when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, blessed be the Lord who has avenged the insult I received at the hands of Nabal and has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned the evil of Nabal on his own head. Nabal succumbed to sickness 10 days later. So what happened to Abigail after that? David took her to be his wife. Well, that's another teaching for another time. What I will say is this. God honored Abigail's obedience, humility, by placing her in the care of David. All right? So here's some supporting scripture that applies to this morning's teaching. What I love about scripture is it removes opinion and it removes the person. Although right. All our job is to convey the message correctly, accurately, ultimately we're just messengers. All right. So again, these scriptures further give the truth of God's feeling toward both pride and humility. So James 4, 6 says this, but God gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Proverbs 11:2 says this, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. With humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 1812 says this. Before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. See, Nabal was gonna ultimately fall regardless because he was going against God. This was gonna take place because he put God on the back burner and put himself first. This had to take place. And this leads me to the end of the teaching. So, I was listening to a podcast by Jonathan Evans entitled Pretending to Lose. All right? He discussed pride and humility. All right? At one point, he brings up the perception of victory versus the reception of victory. All right? In there, he talks about the perception of victory. The perception of victory is when we refuse to ask for help, right? when we want to tell people off and cuss them out, right? when we take matters into our own hands. Right? That's the perception of victory. We want people to think we're big men on campus, right We want people that we think that we have it all together. Right? That's a perceived victory. Right? That's an outward appearance. That's nothing but pride. But then he talks about the reception of victory. And the reception of victory is when we allow God to work, when we allow God to have His way. when we allow God to guide and lead us, right? When we shut our mouth and allow him to fight those battles. We receive victory then. God, is, God has a sense of humor. I was listening to this podcast on the way to our graduation uh, at, at, at my job. And um, I was like, all right, God, this was great. I didn't know why I needed to hear it at this point in time. So I get, to, I get to the graduation, and I work for a company. I work at an alternative school. And our graduation was four or five different campuses. All right. And I'm sitting there, and we have like a lunch before the, before the uh, the graduation ceremony takes place, and after hearing this, I'm like, okay, God, I get it. Yeah, I got to humble myself. I gotta, can't be prideful. Like, this was great. Uh, one of our higher-ups comes in, and he pats me on my head. <laughs> now, culturally, yeah, right, right. that been like, yeah, bro, they wrong. Um, <laughs> culture, you know, it was a lot of things going through my mind, and I'm sitting at the table full of ladies. Uh, some of our kids is graduating and sitting there. And it's like all eyes is on me, like, how's he going to react to this? I'm like, okay, God, I get it. You just gave me this message because I probably would have failed if you didn't give me that message in the van (laughs) on the way there, right? But out of that, right, I didn't give the perceived victory of cursing a man out or acting a fool, right? I received the victory by sitting there and humbling myself because, see, that creates conversation. Hey, I know how you were reacting in the past. Why did you react this way? Oh, let me tell you about this man I know. Let me tell you about who I serve. Let me tell you about this blood transfusion that I received, right? That would have me not react in a way I probably would have reacted in the past. But then there's another story. (laughs) Right? God has a way of humbling you. So we went to Cancun about two weeks ago and uh, was in a restaurant. And, you know, me and my wife were both frustrated. That happens in marriage, right? You get a little frustrated. It happens. And because uh, of that frustration, uh, I didn't react in the best way. Now, this, this time, I'm on a vacation with about 40 friends that knows how I used to react in the past, right? And, and when I didn't react in a way that God got the glory, I felt like the worst thing ever, right? You know when God has truly changed your heart, because when you react the way you used to, it just doesn't sit right with you, right? It's a shame that comes. It's an embarrassment, Right? But, again, we have to realize in these situations, when we react in a way that God doesn't get the glory, right, we have to humble ourselves and say, go to those people. I had to apologize. Hey, I always want to apologize about my behavior from the night before. And some people said to me, I get it. We know where you are in your life, and we know. But it wasn't that bad. And I said to you guys, it wasn't. But to me, it was, right? Because any time that I don't conduct my way, myself in a way that God has glorified, I have dropped the ball, and I'm no longer ministering. Right. So. When we stood today, it was in recognition of pride. I purposely had us stand. Right. When we stand, we're at our most prideful moment. Right. It's all about us. It's all about me. Right. I'm on center stage. Right. But I had to sit on purpose. Sitting was a representation of who Christ is in our life. Right. When we play the background and take the back seat, we allow him to be glorified. One of my favorite Christian rappers, S.O.E, says this. He says, if you think meek is weak, try being meek for a week. <laughs> right? It takes a, lot of power. it takes a lot of strength, right? A lot of dependence on God to be meek. Right? When you have to bite your tongue, when you can't react the way you want to react. Right? When you apologize. Right? When you might not be wrong. Right? When you go to that person and say, listen, I'm sorry. For whatever you think I did wrong, I'm sorry. Right? That, that takes a lot. So remember this in closing again. A prideful attitude ought to me glorifies you, but a humble attitude glorifies God. And also remember that pride is your greatest enemy, but humility is your greatest friend. I'll close in prayer. If you can bow your head and close your eyes. Father, I want to first thank you for this, for your word that went forth this morning. I pray it penetrated the hearts and minds of your people. I pray seeds were planted, and the seeds that you already planted were rewarded. I pray you remove prideful, the prideful spirit that removes you off your throne and places us in your place. The spirit of pride that denies us the ability to be in relationship with you and the spirit of pride that removes, you, removes the opportunity to follow you um, and allow you to be lord of our lives. The spirit of pride that denies us the benefit of reaping the benefits of allowing you to be lord in our life. I pray that we realize the benefits of the power of humility I pray we realize our humility is submitting to you and allowing you to both move on our behalf and get the glory out of our story. I pray we realize that humility allows us to obey your word. Humility allows us to lean on you and not our own understanding. And humility doesn't move us to redefine or change, but it allows us to adapt to you, Father God. But ultimately for us to adapt to your word, your truth, your way, and your will in our lives. In your mighty and precious name we pray. Amen.